Welcome to Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 222. You've got Chris and Brian. And today we're going to talk about real world firearm safety applications. Um, yeah, we live in a 720 degree world. That means all around you, along with up and down. Uh, if we're legitimately using firearms to solve problems, that means we are shooting guns with live ammo um, in a 720 degree environment. Yeah. Uh, so we need to have an awareness of what that looks like from a safety perspective, uh, along with um, just knowing how to handle guns um, where there is no designated downrange area or, you know, it's not a, it's no longer square range. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw out an, a, a recent relevant incident that happened here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, within the last few weeks, we had a, a group of bad guys, uh, three or four bad actors, uh, steal a Porsche from a dealership in, I think, in Whitehall, uh, something like that, east side of Columbus. Um, went on a little bit of a spree, robbed a few places, hit a bank clear on the west side of Columbus on Hilliard Rome Road, opposite side of town. Um, finally engaged by CPD on the highway. Um, it, it, when that engagement occurred, you know, I, if you look at highways, especially going through buildup areas and stuff like that, the officers that that responded to that and dealt directly with these guys um, and, and pretty effectively on one of them, and unfortunately one of our guys paid a pretty serious price too. Um, these guys are on a highway, which is likely, because of where it happened, was likely an elevated situation. So they've got weapons out, they're engaging bad guys, etc. They've got other vehicles likely going by them. Um, they've got where are their rounds going when they leave the weapon, because if you're elevated, that round can go anywhere. You may not have a, a backstop, or you're potentially engage in somebody who's dumped off of the roadway and you're shooting down now and what's beyond them down as well and if you're the one who chose to go over the guardrail maybe you're shooting up at the bad guy and there's vehicles going by some of those vehicles are elevated like semis and stuff like that um you know and, and then translate something similar to that where you literally that's 720 degrees if it ever existed plus you're watching out you're dodging cars you're dodging stupid um, as well as bullets, bad guys, etc., and then keeping an eye on your other good guys, your other teammates, the other dudes that are there with you, and then possibly dealing with a, a downed officer situation too. Um, all this wrapped into one thing. Translate that into a building where there's a stairwell. You know, look at your Mark One Mod Zero school system. The majority of these buildings are not ranches. They're not one floors. They're multiples. Um, dealing with a stairwell, lots of different angles, lots of different ups, lots of different downs. And then, again, what's behind you, who's behind you, good, bad, indifferent, etc. Good, bad, indifferent, unknown, and going through all these different things. So when we start talking about the artificialness of training on a square range where you've got to implement some safety, I, we absolutely get that. When you start pushing into the professional end of the environment, I, I think there needs to become a recognition when somebody's paid their dues and can, and can show you that they're safe with the weapon, they're trustworthy, they're not gonna do something stupid, which is not something that happens in a vacuum and it's nothing that happens overnight. It's something that happens through lots of engagement time, right, comfort, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, this is where we get to, at what point do we say, okay, we're gonna step away from some of the square range stuff and say, okay, these are things that we're gonna allow you to do because we want you doing them in the real world. And it takes me back to that um, tactical response, fight, assess, scan, top off. You know, and, and I remember the whole world flipping out when guys would fight, they would assess their target, do it, you know, do that scan, see what's going on. The assessment is with the gun on the target or possibly just below the target. 
Um, the scan is that 360 scan, whether you go muzzle up, muzzle down, or if there's nobody around you and you're doing this by yourself, maybe that muzzle's at the low ready. Yeah. Right? I mean, until it needs to not be at the low ready, you know, you do your scan and then you top off your gun if, if it's applicable at that point. Then I remember the world burning down when some of those videos came out with the advent of the internet um, and, and Jaeger, you know, preaching this and everybody going, oh my God, and, and the guys who are out there in the real world going, this kind of makes sense. But everybody who ran a range going, you can't do that, you can't do that, ah, right? So that's where we're at. Let's talk about that. Let's talk, you know, I mean, yeah. where does that go? The world's a crazy place. How do we train for a crazy place and still be safe? Yeah. Uh, the primary means of doing that is to make Cooper's four rules of firearm safety kind of just completely second nature. Yeah. Um, those things have to be executed at the subconscious level. Subconscious competence level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Point our handy dandy business card where these are listed on the back. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're going to first treat all guns as if they were loaded until they've been proven, proven otherwise. Yep. AKA know the condition of your weapon system. Uh, we don't want to let the muzzle cover anything we're not willing to destroy. Uh, we keep our finger off the trigger until our sights are on the target and we made the conscious decision to shoot the target. Uh, and then we know what our target is, what lies beyond it and in front of it, and then the ballistic effect of the round on those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the okay. FedEx guy is not giving us packages, so we will continue. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, these things, you know, we talk about, um, I think Pat Rogers was the guy that I first heard talk about, you know, unconsciously incompetent. You don't know, you don't know what you don't know kind of thing um, versus consciously incompetent. You know you don't know, but you're working on it versus consciously competent. Um, you know it and you're working your way through it kind of thing. And then unconsciously competent where you do different things at a level where it's in the background, it's playing in the background kind of thing. It's that program that's always up and running, um, scanning you know your computer for threats, but not doing anything else for you, Yeah. right? And you just don't have to see it. You don't have to think about it. Shooting a gun, we always talk about shooting a gun should be like that. Um, before shooting a gun probably gets to being like that, safety should be like that. We, you know, we teach our kids with Nerf guns and with toy guns and water guns and stuff like that. Um, when, when my kids pick up a freaking cordless drill, their fingers indexed high and on the side and off the trigger, they can't help it. Um, you, you learn that through lots and lots of application of that till it becomes second nature. And then you still check yourself, you know, occasionally just to make sure your shit's scored away and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, the, a, a recent conversation on this specific topic, one of our guys, super competent shooter, trainer for a local agency, went and shot a match of some sort. I don't know if it was USPSA or, or ISIC or whatever. It was a USPSA match. Okay. Yeah, somewhere in central Ohio. Yeah, somewhere in central Ohio. And this was, this was not some, this is not necessarily recent. This was just the retelling of a story. Um, and, and got DQ'd from the match for breaking 180. Or DQ'd from his stage, and there was a. Well, we got warned. He got warned, warned that it was, it was okay because he was it was at like it was, 70, 79 and a half degrees yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it was like right, and so that kind of conversation. And and his response was, "No, that's cool. The world I live in is one hundred and eighty degrees. It's three. It's three hundred sixty degrees, not one hundred and eighty degrees. And and if and I don't think that I broke the line, but if you think I broke the line, then that's totally cool. We're playing by your rules. Um, and and I think that you know f from his retelling. 
the response was was almost like a so foreign of a response to those guys running that situation um, that they didn't really know what to do with his like yeah that's cool no big deal the world I live in is 360 degrees how many of us are going out there and doing training and stuff like that and and not thinking in these terms and not thinking in 360 degree terms um, because you have stuff driven into you and there's like some safety and range theatrics and safety and range religion where you just have to do certain things um, and, and these things have changed over the years and thank God you know when we get into like serious professionals law enforcement etc you know I understand that trainers have to train to the lowest common denominator to some extent and you're always going to have that dude who maybe shouldn't be there but you got to train him anyway and you got to do it around other people and that's kind of this conversation yeah how do you you know how do you do this stuff how do you get out there and do real world stuff um first of all buy a piece of property that you own and don't do training for money on that piece of property so that nobody can come in and tell you you can't do it that's a great way to start yeah right um, then you can go out and do things like move around with guns, run a hot range, um, assess targets in the 360. And if you have the right piece of property, maybe even engage targets in the 360. Uh, you know, be aware of your buddies, be aware of stuff, what's going on, be aware of who else is out there with you. Um, but it, it's, it's getting away from that, that artificial and then having the skills, the background, et cetera, to develop the knowledge and judgment to know what's actually safe and what's not. Um, do you want to talk about the that video we just watched? Oh, uh, sure. Is that a reasonable yeah. thing to insert here? Yeah, so if you guys follow Ben Steger, uh, Matt Franca from X-Ray Alpha, they were down in Texas towards the beginning of June um, doing some stuff with TTPOA and some other LE agencies down there. Um, they do a rifle and a pistol drill called the 80, I think the 80-20 drill. Okay. So they start at, start at 80 yards, you do stuff at 80 yards, 60 yards, 40 yards, 20 yards. Um, they were running this with, I think, four guys on the line at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, the range they were on, probably 40, 40 50 yards across. Okay. Um, yeah, so decent, decent separation between shooters. Uh, but everybody starts in the 80-yard line, and then you execute the drill. Yeah. Uh, so people are at different range lines. Um, depending on how fast they are. Some people shoot faster than others, and some yeah. people move faster some than others. others. Absolutely. Uh, and that caused, I think, some heartburn on the internet. Uh, Ben's got a really good reel on his Instagram or video on his Instagram, whatever they call videos these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a talkie on the yeah, internet thing. Where he kind of explains the safety and the controls that they used around that to make sure that it was safe. Yeah. Uh, but it is a real-world you know, application, you know, start getting, start looking at things like small unit tactics, um, whether we're, you know, bounding um, in a reactive contact type situation or doing, you know, traveling overwatch in a looking for problems type situation. Yep. Uh, you know, at some point we're going to have people shooting and we're going to have people moving. Uh, and one of those groups is probably going to be in front of the other um, in relation to the muzzle and the target. Yeah. Because uh, that is that is the world we live in when small small unit and light infantry tactics get applied to problem solving. Absolutely, absolutely. Or or just simple interpersonal issues become violent. Yeah. Um. You know, and that 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 world too. And there's a reality check that that person 
between you and the bad guy or you and the dude that's the threat, whatever, whatever we're identifying at this particular point in the engagement, um, that might be a family member, it might be an unknown, it might be somebody that can't get shot, doesn't need shot, you know, isn't party to what's going on. Um, the same thing happens, you know, in a concealed carry event. Um, you know, do you engage? Who's between you and whatever you're engaging? Do you need to, etc.? It's it's 3D. And then you go to law enforcement. Maybe you're the second officer on the scene. The first officer's engaging with the bad guy, and there's a good guy between you and the bad guy. What are you doing? You know, the, what's down? There's and, and then beyond, beyond yeah. the engagement, there's always downrange when there's not a nice, clean dirt backstop or a nice, clean indoor steel trap. Um, you know, looking at that kind of stuff. Uh, is, again, going back to Jaeger and the tactical response days back in the old days, um, watched a, a range shut down, uh, rifle class, relatively close range, moving down range and shooting at the same time. Some guys got ahead of others, and there are a couple dudes who just stopped. Safe the weapon, muzzle down, muzzle up, whatever, and just stop. Okay, cool, no big deal. Same conversation. So are we telling you that if you're new to this stuff, you should go out and get four or five of your buddies and and do some tears of the sun advancing across the rice field kind of thing. Um, you know, abreast like cowboys and shit with, you know, Bruce Willis on your mind, but no MP5 this time kind of thing. Andrea Tech put on correctly. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, yeah, so that, so that Harry doesn't smack you in the back of the head at the movie premiere. Anyway, um, I digress. Uh, you know, the, should you be going out and doing this? Again, this is one of those things that is a, is a conversation about, the amount of experience that you should have before you do this um, and and the amount of judgment you should have, which generally only comes from experience and training, et cetera, to, to do this kind of stuff. This is not novice stuff. This is advanced stuff. For everybody to have a meltdown with Jaeger doing this with a bunch of folks who this might literally be their first rifle class, there's a little bit of me that gets that, like, that, oh, my God. Um, if you weren't there, you didn't understand the explanation for the drill, staying in your lane, this, that, and the other. Everybody had a shooting lane. Everybody had more than enough room to move. Everybody probably had an instructor right behind them. Yeah, exactly. And it was also one of those things, too, where if somebody did get far enough ahead, they would they would call the drill. They would call the ceasefire and say, hey, you know, keep an eye on the rest of your folks and stay online with them because that's part of this, too, is learning situational awareness, not just how fast can I move forward and kill the target. And if you're that 24-year-old stud, you know, who can run a – uh, you know, 11 second hundred, and there's a dude next to you who's 72 years old and can't move that fast, then be aware of your surroundings. And that's kind of a team slash situational awareness event as well, which was part of the training objective for that particular drill was being aware of what's going on around yeah. you, right? Okay, cool. Flip that to Steger at all and Pranka and the guys at X-Ray Alpha down in Texas. This is not being done and in, in with a bunch of novices, okay, if you're at the Texas Tactical Officers Association Conference or one of their conferences, it generally means you're a tactical law enforcement officer, you're a SWAT officer. Um, it generally means you're somebody who's, who's got the hacks because, you know, most agencies aren't going to, you know, pay the kid to go to it. And if the kid, you know, the young guy who's new to it decides he wants to go to it and is going to pay his own dime, his own lodging, etc., and his own ammo, then that kid is probably pretty squirt. I say kid, air quotes. Um, is probably pretty squared away to begin with to have that kind of interest and wants to go do that kind of stuff. So, you know, you're also not catching what the actual distances were. You're not catching what the advice on the drill was, etc. And so, the you know, all the outrage around this kind of stuff always cracks me up. It's like, you know, yeah, yeah we see some stupid shit, right? I mean, we watch some videos and watch some people do some drills that freak us the hell out. I will give you an example, one I think is legitimate. 
Um, and Ken Hackathorn's going to throw something at me through the phone or the computer when he hears this and probably call me fat again. Um, it, you know, it's like one of those deals where the snake drill. Hmm. The snake drill literally came out of like super high level SF guys. Um, and, 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 and then it was pushed out into the world with SWAT guys. Then it was pushed out in the world to law enforcement guys who, again, gave their own money to go train with Ken and do stuff like that. And then it made its way into classes of dudes who had the money and the background to train with Ken. It was still a pretty advanced drill. And it was one of those things where you watch, you know, you watch the class for a couple days and then on the second end of the second day you did this drill, if they did the drill at all, depending on who was in the class, how they were handling guns, how they were moving, etc. Um, and, and you know, and people, it's one of those things where it's like a risk reward conversation. When you watch this video of these guys moving down range or back in the day in the tactical response plans, the, the risk really was not significant, was not great. Um, the description given was how far offset do you need to be laterally from the guy you're moving down range with? How far perpendicularly offset to linear range distance do you need to be before the dude who's next to you, you don't know is allergic to bees and a bee flies in front of his face and he does the pee pee dance in front of you. Do you have time to come off the target, go muzzle down, take the safety off, etc.? That kind of thing. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. If you're setting it up to where that dude goes, oh shit, that's a bee and sidesteps and he's in your sights, then you're not safe. All those things come from judgment. All those things come from experience. All those things come from training. So generally the people that are freaking out about this are the people who probably don't have the right background to assess whether or not this is safe. Is that fair? I'm gonna, yeah. get, I'm gonna get stoned for that, aren't I? No, I think probably. that's fair. Probably, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is, especially we start looking at, you know, some of the competition stuff. Uh, there's, I'd say there's legitimate training scars in movement. Sure. Uh, especially if you're moving like horizontally um, in relation to the target where people are, they're compromising their ability to move quickly because they don't want to break the 180 rule. Yeah. Um, versus keeping the muzzle pointed in a safe direction and focusing on the movement mm -hmm. um, like you would in the real world. Yeah. Um, yeah, that for sure. Um, seeing, you know, doing like 180 degree turns or 90 degree turns on the draw. Yeah. Uh, some of the complications and I don't know if theatrics is, theatrics is yeah. kind of the right word. Yeah. Uh, that people do to avoid, you know, they, yeah, just trying to, the, that turn gets overly complicated yes. uh, versus just turning and drawing the gun yeah. and engaging the target in a very rapid and expedious, expedious uh, fashion. I like expedient. expedient. We'll use yeah. expedient. Yeah. Yeah. Expedient fashion. Uh, I've just had a donut. I've had too much sugar <laughs> in a short amount of time. Uh, no, I can't talk. Expedious is now a word. Uh, Look it up. So. Yeah. Expeditious. Expeditious. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Um, well, but let's, so let's talk about that, that yeah. turn, you know, you again, start up range, turn down range. Um, you know, your feet are leading this dance basically in this conversation. If you're turning pretty much before anything else happens, it doesn't mean you can't be clearing your garment and setting your grip on your gun. And even at 90 degrees, if you're carrying appendix or strong side, if you're still, if you started at 180 to the target to turn and draw and you're, you're beginning to draw at 90, if the muzzle still pointed downward and no one else is in your circle, um, you know, that arms reach circle, yeah. then there's no reason you can't be drawing the gun muzzle down. You just can't start extension or leveling the muzzle, bringing the muzzle anywhere right. off of vertical 
uh, the, the barrel axis anywhere off of vertical until you're turned down range. It doesn't mean you can't, do, you know, you watch guys artificially turn all the way 180, then clear and draw the gun. You can, you can speed that up. You can make that more efficient. That's a thing. Yeah. That's totally doable. Um, uh, you know, another one that comes to mind, I, I mean, just along the same, uh, same topic, we, we do a lot of, um, what's the drill? It's a ghost stop where there's yeah. like four or five or six targets and you move laterally. Yeah. Four targets, go stop, go stop. Um, doing that, you know, the, the first target, you may keep the gun up moving from one to the other, just two, two or three steps. The next target, you may not even take your hand off the gun for the next target, or you may just barely just to keep your balance, et cetera, starting and stopping. It is very aggressive. But then you go to that third, fourth, fifth target, you're running. You're running with the gun. Where's the muzzle pointer? It's in a safe direction. You know, it's toward the backstop, blah, blah, blah. Um, is it, you know, are you, if, if you get to a point where we watch, again, same kind of conversation. I don't want somebody, because we do this in an artificial range environment, I don't want somebody breaking 180. Because I don't want to hear about it. I don't, you know. So we we play by the rules where we where we train. We've got to do that. So we make sure that we're maintaining that, and that may mean setting the drill up in a certain way, from a range perspective, that we're able to do that in a fashion that is a safe, and b still plays by the range rules, you know. And and you give up a little bit of that because you have to. There have been times when we've done drills like that where we have an environment where we can do it as just a dead nuts run because we're not in that club environment yeah. where we've got a certain set of hard and fast rules that we can't, we can't go past. Okay, cool. No big deal. Um, it, it's that kind of conversation about setting this stuff up and knowing when and where, but then also having the reps in to do it um, is a big deal. But when you watch people, how much it slows them down to try and run with the gun pointed out at some odd 90-degree angle, if you do that kind of stuff enough, and you're a law enforcement officer and you do that stuff enough in training, are you going to do it in the real world? What's downrange? What's not? And now maybe are you creating an unsafe environment in itself yeah. from doing something awkward that makes no sense? So understanding the why behind it, and that's part of that conversation is to say, you know, maybe at some point, hey, in the real world, these are things, you know, we're not going to concern ourselves with these things. And as you get people tuned up to the right place to do these things on in a square range environment, that you say, hey, these are some of the things we're going to start doing and I want you guys to be cued in with it, and, and I think you're where you need to be. And if you're not comfortable with it, maybe step off for a second, observe, figure it out. But the guy who's not comfortable with it, you know, are you, you know, where are you at with that and working with that person to get them up to speed to where they're comfortable? Because that's what it comes down to. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was another one that popped into my feeble little mouse brain. Um, like incidents or drills? Um, n neither, uh, things that, things that are pushed on. Oh, one of the things on competition ranges going around over the last few years, skyloading, skyloading. Sky um, if, you know, if you're in an environment where somebody's loading a gun, doing a reload, you know, ostensibly in the middle of a, a string of fire. So they're moving quickly with alacrity. Um, the, the person who loads the gun and has an ND, um, as they're loading the gun into the backstop, um, is, is less of a liability to the facility. I absolutely understand that. Um, it, the extra time that it takes and some of the stuff that goes along with that in the real world, plus the visibility end of loading a gun. Yes, some gunfights happen in the dark and you can't see the magwell of your gun. If you can't see the magwell of your gun, you know, can you necessarily see what you're shooting at? What other situations going on? Is there not enough light there to cover some of this other incidental stuff to addressing the bad guy with bullets? kinetically um you know that that kind of mentality 
Um, so the skyloading thing's super frustrating, and it is, it's an artificial range thing to be sure. If I can get the gun up in front of me, and I'm not going to scream workspace or whatever the cliche of the day is, but you know, having that ability to get the gun where you can most efficiently do what you need to do, which is put more bullets in it, is a significant event. And then beyond that, how much are you training that? If it's a competition environment, you know you're going to have reloads because they're forced. If it's a law enforcement environment, I, I definitely you're going to have extra mags on you as an LEO, so you should be doing that too. In the civilian world, you know, I don't push reloads as a training thing as something that's like super, super critical. Um, it's probably a 10% thing because the statistical likelihood of going to a reload as a concealed carry permit holder or as a civilian really is, is super, super, super small. Um, so, you know, just looking through some of those kind of different things, you know, and again, finding that environment where you can practice your reloads in a way that's safe, um, you know, so that we're where we need to be. Um, the irony of the fact that, you know, everybody puts guns and racks muzzle up, but we can't reload a gun muzzle up is, is a little twitchy for me. And again, I get the why of it, and it's something that if that's the range that you live with, and that's what you've got to do with that facility, play the game so you've got some place to train. Um, but understand that, you know, there's an efficiency conversation around that. It doesn't mean you can't still train your reloads with dummy rounds and stuff like that in a different environment the way you should be training them and not give anything up. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. That's just another example that comes to mind. And there are probably 11 billion of them. So... I don't know where else yeah. to push this. These are just things that pop up that we see on a regular basis. And the, the cover, when you mentioned it and then the conversation I'd had previously, like literally just in the last week about that that match event and the 180 thing, it was kind of like, eek. And then bringing that back up, it's like, yeah, this is, there's real world stuff. How do you, how do you toe the line for where you're at and where you need to be facilities wise versus keeping things real so that you're not training scars, training bad habits, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely something to work through. So, and it's just interesting that it, it keeps coming up. You know, yeah. I've been, I've been a nerd in this game for 20 plus years and it, well, more than that now, because the competitive end of things probably started 30 years ago and it just keeps coming up and just keeps coming up and just keeps coming up. It's, it's you know, if it's going to get you killed in the streets, then maybe you need to be training it somewhere else so that you don't develop the bad habits. I guess yeah. is the moral of the story. So, yeah, um, this is a conversation for sure that if you are in the central Ohio area and you choose to stop into our little mud pit and, and play with the pigs, um, you know, by all means, I would love to wrestle in the mud over these kind of conversations because some of this stuff, uh, we got a lot of guys that are trainers for agencies, and I'm sure right now they're pinwheeling their arms going, oh, holy sweet Jesus, don't tell people this. Um, you know, too late. It'll, yeah, <laughs> it causes too many problems. The reality is, is the, is the guys that you're training, um, the ones that are listening to this are probably sitting back laughing going, yeah, no kidding. Um, the ones that are going to be your problem with this aren't ever going to hear this message anyway via a podcast. Yeah. Um, cause they're too busy watching reels about the new Barbie movie. Um, cause Ryan Gosling is so dreamy. So, uh, you know, on, on that note, um, <laughs> yeah, it is. We come across interesting things. We try to get them posted to our social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, search for Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, search for Cap City Outfitters 2. On our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, for anyone looking to do an SBR, you can also do electronic Form 1s um, very easily through Silencer Shop, so go check them out. Uh, linked over to them via our suppressor page 
And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We are at 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. We're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5. And Saturday is 10 to 3. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Thank you.